Every day you are bombarded with millions of stories, but the one thing that remains true is the best story is the one that gains your attention. Welcome to The Best Story Wins with Chris Watson, where we dive into the art and science of storytelling and story crafting and those that are putting into practice to tell some of the best stories in the world. We are bombarded with thousands of stories every single day. Those stories are trying to gain our attention, to click, to read, uh, to watch, and to download. Uh, I am the host of the Best Story Wins podcast, Chris Watson here, and I'm super excited to have Martin Barnes in the house today. Martin, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation today to talk about you and what you do with your organization. Well, lovely to be here, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Can't wait to uh, jump right in, as they say. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are the founder of, I love the name of the organization, Eight Seconds to Connect. Um, I know that you've helped uh, thousands of organizations really all over the world um, and and helping them really with how do I create a kick-ass startup uh, pitch. Um, and I know for a fact right now that uh, at least globally as as we're being told this narrative that um, that we're in a we're in a crisis, that the one thing that's still very ripe, the one thing that's still flowing, are startup entrepreneurs still getting money, still trying to get money, living that dream, uh, you know, bloodshot eyes because they never sleep, and so they are still asking for help and saying, "Hey, look, these VCs they want to invest in something great right now. I need a." kick-ass pitch. My first question to you that I think I'd like to ask every guest is, I want to gain some context. I believe context is king. And so when I say the word stories or storytelling, tell me what where your mind goes immediately. It can either be super academic because we've been telling stories since forever and there are hundreds of books written on storytelling. And you can start sort of saying, this is storytelling, that's not storytelling. And it can be pathos, Lagos, uh, and the other one, I forget what it is. It can be really uh, academic or it can be intuitive. And the intuitive side is, how can I share something that includes you in the moment with me? And how can I use really simple words that paint a vivid picture in your imagination so that you walk away going... And, it, and it's lingering and it's echoing and, it's, and it becomes word of mouth. You start telling other people about the idea that I shared with you. And that might not technically be storytelling, but it's effective communication. And so, again, I remember back in 2008, I was working at an advertising company in Beijing and leverage was the buzzword. We're going to leverage our community. We're going to leverage influences. We're going to leverage this and leverage that. And you sort of sit in meetings and people would sort of say it and then look sideways to see if they'd said it right. And it was almost like a jigsaw piece that fitted into a moment. And I feel that storytelling has kind of taken that, has replaced the word leverage. It's now storytelling. So everyone's saying storytelling. And I used to do it. I used to sort of go, oh, I'm a storyteller. And then someone called me out on it and said, well, you're not really because you're not doing academic one, two, three. And I was like, I suppose so. But I am trying to communicate in a way which is uh, includes my audience. 
I love that. I think that is uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, within the last 60 days, I've even made uh, a shift in in the way that I say what I do here at Craft and Compel is that instead of strategic storytelling, it is we help people communicate utilizing stories. Because I think that ultimately, you're right, I think that almost all communication really is a person trying to tell a story. They just don't call it that uh, because they probably tell themselves a story first, which leads us into – um, how valuable when we're talking about founders that are trying to get funding, they're going to a VC, uh, you and I, you know, I, I recently hit you up and said, hey, what what books are out there uh, to to help founders on how do they pitch to a VC? And your answer was brilliant because it was kind of like, well, it depends on where you live in the world. It depends on what VC you have. So. My wonder is how does stories or storytelling or communicating the right story uh, play into what you do to help people connect in eight seconds and build a, a kick-ass startup pitch? Fantastic. Yeah, no, uh, attention. It's all about attention. So, again, that's why I said about including my audience in the moment that I create with them. We co-create a conversation. If you're, if you're not co-creating a conversation, you're being talked at – and then nobody wants that, right? That's what we had at school and in, in, in certain jobs, we just get talked at. So it, I had a massive personal rethink about this whole stuff when I was doing a postgraduate in education. And I found a paper from the Harvard Business Review that said, your pitch needs a pitch. And of course, that caught my attention and I, I sort of dug into it. And it was basically the premise was everybody's got their little elevator pitch that they've polished and worked on. You go to a networking event, someone says, what do you do? And then you jump into the pitch. But you don't actually know where the person is in their head. And you have written this thing that is trying to cram in so much stuff, a bit like those people at the airport who are sitting on their suitcase trying to squeeze it closed because they know they have way too much stuff, but they're praying that the zip will hold. That's what most pitches are like. I'm trying to squeeze in more information. And, and the article was basically saying, you've probably told somebody what you've done when you don't even know if they're really listening. So you played your best hand, but you didn't have their attention. I was like, wow, that is really good. And they're like, so you need to say something that's going to make this moment uh, present for both of you. Once you know you've got their attention, then you can tell them what you do. And that way that they will walk away going, ah, Chris does this. And um, and so I I sort of worked on that. And uh, do you want do you want to know what I tell people when they ask me what I do? Yeah. So people go, Martin, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a crocodile wrestler. <laughs> I wait for that response and that raised eyebrow, <laughs> and I can see your brain go, well, uh, ooh, uh, uh, that's not what I expected. And I sit in the silence for a little bit. I've had to get very good at just the pause and just waiting and, and enjoying reading the reaction. You, you, well, I don't sound Australian, which is where most people think crocodile wrestlers come from, or, or Florida, that kind of area, pretty British. Um, so I'm created this cognitive like confusion, mm -hmm. and I call it a delightful surprise. And people go, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, that's what it feels like being the father of four-and-a-half-year-old twins. <laughs> and I got them dressed one day. One of them was crawling over the top. The other one was crawling around me. She wanted what she was wearing. She wanted that. Ah. 
took me ages. They finally run down to have breakfast and I sit on the bed and I let out this. And I said to myself, it's like crocodile wrestling. Mm. And I was like, and I'd read the article maybe a couple of months previously. And I was like, that's my pitch. That is how I can catch your attention. And I can also demonstrate what I do. I can tell a super short story that's personal to me that has nothing to do with my profession, but actually is an example of what I do. So when I unpack the whole thing, I can say, do you enjoy pitching? Do you enjoy telling stories? And then I'm shutting up and then we're having a conversation. And I've found that when I have that in my headline in LinkedIn and when I go to events and people say, and Martin's going to introduce himself. And I often don't tell people what my pitch is, self-introductory pitch. I get people coming back to me months later and saying, how are the crocodiles? Mm-hmm. So people are pitching my pitch back to me because I've left a massive welcome mat on my profile and said, this is how you start a conversation and you can pitch me my pitch. And it's, it works super well. So it, to, to bring it all back, attention. I need to make sure that we are in a moment together before I really start digging into what I do. Yeah, I think, wow. I think what's incredible in mind directly goes to the fact that people's attention it's very split it's very distracted it's very separated you go out to eat you look at families three of them are on a on a cell phone very it's very difficult to have something that's so delightfully disruptive that it brings people's attention you know to the moment so i that's incredible I, I wonder, are you then suggesting metaphorically that being the, the, the crocodile wrestler, are you using that metaphor as that's what it's like helping founders with startup pitches? Or are you using more of the fact of I, I captured your attention and you remember it, which is why you should hire me because I can help you with your pitches very similarly? Number two. Got it. I'm not trying. I am sharing something personal, the most important thing in the world to me, my kids. And I'm showing you I have a sense of humor. And I'm, 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 we're talking without talking about work, but it's also quite a meta example of what I do for people. And I help people find their own version of Crocodile Wrestler. I have a, I did a webinar. I've got a course called uh, Pitch Like a Crocodile Wrestler. And the first thing people start to do is they start to sort of find a, a different way of talking about what they do, which ultimately makes it more confusing and therefore needs more explanation and therefore doesn't work. And I'm like, don't try to find a clever way of describing what you do. Just share something that is mem- <clears throat> excuse me, memorable and that people can see in their heads. And and basically what used to what used to happen is people would say, Martin, what do you do? And I would go, oh, Well, I'm a presentation coach, and and it was context and history and details, and I bored myself. And I was just like, oh, when am I even? I'm not even halfway through. And I felt I had to start at the beginning. And the other thing I say to people is like, pitch like Tarantino. If you remember the beginning scene of Pulp Fiction, bang, you're in, mid-sentence two people you spend four minutes figuring out what's going on and then (laughs) yeah 
Don't start at the beginning. Start where the meat is. Start with the most delicious mouthful of that meal. You know, make it about this moment right now. Because like you said, my phone is that far away from my face. Once my phone is in front of my face, I I am tuned into what I want. And, uh, you know, it's a real Mm -hmm. thing away. So don't, like, context and starting points is irrelevant. It's all about how can I start forming that picture in your head? And usually two stones go, and the sparks should go. I think when I've talked with founders, I always try to explain to them, and, and, I, and I haven't articulated it in the way you did, but which pitch will they remember? Can they go and tell, can they go tell your story or a portion of your pitch of your story? And to your point, yeah, they remember the crocodile wrestler because no other, no other presenter is doing that from the stage. No other uh, pitch is starting with something that way. Um, it leads me to think about, though, I know you also work with, with CEOs. And when I think inside of an organization – um, the importance of a CEO being able uh, to gain attention, uh, to get buy-in, uh, to communicate effectively to uh, their team, and whether that be a founder of a 50-person company or whether that be, hey, there's 300 people and I need to talk to my executive team, I think CEOs are, quote-unquote, pitching uh, mm-hmm. a new objective, uh, a new strategy, uh, a new culture, you know, morale, something they want to do. So talk to me a little bit about, okay, the organization's formed. We're not, we're not going out and pitching uh, to a VC, but I'm a CEO and I have an organization. How do I utilize, um, you know, stories and pitching and grabbing attention? How do I utilize that inside of an organization where I really feel like that uh, CEOs are, uh, you know, they're they're telling their origin story at times or they're telling a timeline or they're trying to use uh, results or KPIs of last year to grab attention. But most people don't care about that, especially, I think, with a lot of uh, uh, workers in the workforce today. They care about bigger, broader you know, topics and they want to be a part of an organization that cares about the same things as them. Absolutely. I worked with uh, – so I lived in China for a long time. Um, and one of my uh, – favorite projects was working with a Chinese CEO of a shared uh, shared bikes. It's like the shared economy. You don't own the bike, you get access to it through an app or something. So this young CEO had decent English, but it wasn't like he'd gone to study at Harvard and had like English from living abroad for a couple of years. He was spent most of his life in his whole life in China. Anyway, he had to go to the APEC conference in Vietnam and present um, in a second language. And one of his team came to me and said, we need your help because we've been working on this for a couple of weeks and all we're creating is a Wikipedia pitch. <laughs> it's all true. It's all facts. KPIs, strategic, gross, blah, this, blah, that, blah, blah, blah. It's a Wikip- It's all what they call TBU, true but useless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fact, but it has zero value in a leadership pitch. And again, like you said, they're not pitching for money. They're pitching for alignment, for buy-in, for strategy, for, for, for policy, you know, synergies, all that sort of stuff. And in a day of conferences, every leader has 20-odd minutes. How do you come on and not just blur into the, 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 the speakers of just people coming in and doing the usual thing? 
So again, a bit like a bit like Crocodile Wrestler, but this happened way before Crocodile Wrestler. I wanted to make sh- I wanted to give the speaker something really easy to say in a second language, so he could start his talk with confidence, and to also compress everything he does into one sentence. And we came up with the idea. So he um, he basically has a shared bike company. You go onto a Chinese street, his bike's in front of you, you use your phone, you unlock it, and you pay for your the, the miles that you cycle. And so he walked on stage and he goes, hello, my name's David, and I love bikes. I love them so much. In fact, I have 32 million yellow bikes. I have the world's biggest collection of yellow bikes. Mm. And do you know what I like to do with them? I like to share them. And so what we did in that simplicity was say what he does, what he's passionate about, and share a number that is no other person on the planet owns 32 million yellow bikes. And you can sort of imagine 10 yellow bikes, but as soon as you think, wow, that's a lot. So it gives you a sense of scale. And it showed that he was young and dynamic and and didn't take himself too seriously, but was very passionate about what he did. And we, I pitched the idea to him, and he just started clapping. And his whole team just went, <sighs> because they could see that our previous problem of this is a boring pitch with no emotion was suddenly human, emotive, and simple. And for an English as a second language speaker, wasn't this multi-syllable long PR speak sentence that and 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 to back this story up I've just finished working with another Chinese CEO who's doing another talk in a second language and we were looking at his script and it's being written by somebody in an office in a PR agency that's never met them and it's a beautiful PR post that you would read that you would read in your head but if it's if I was going to say it, it would be like trying to pitch Tolkien, like huge long sentences, mild, all these descriptors and everything. So part of my job with this other CEO was just like cutting the script up mm-hmm. and just saying, okay, I get what we're trying to say. This is a, a, a this is the scaffolding, but where's the sculpture? Mm-hmm. And the sculpture needs to be super simple. And again, bring it back to crocodile wrestler. I'm a crocodile wrestler. It's just like Nike's just do it. Mm-hmm. Or easy. Kids in Philippines can say just do it. Kids mm-hmm. in Russia can say just do it. Africa, it is global because it's simple, but it hits you in the heart and it gets you out of bed on a cold winter's day to go and do whatever exercise you're into. They don't care your gender, your size, your shape, whatever, your ability. They want just do it. And I love bikes. We even wrote it in emojis. You know, I, it's a bit like, I love New York Mm t-shirts. It's that that universal simplicity where, again, I want the audience to have a stake of ownership in the communication. And I want my stories to be ridiculously simple and intuitive. And I have studied some of the academics, but I just can't remember it. So I just compress it to be like, here, if you, if you can't own my story or my pitch, then word of mouth is never going to happen. Thousand percent. I love that. I, I, I say it as I want the audience to be able to participate in my story because if they don't feel like they can participate, then for them, 
it's confusing. They don't get it. And they're like, no, thanks. And you and I have been to tons of conferences where we can easily say, hey, I got that one, even though they're a, uh, a doctor, a professor. I've been doing it for 50 years. I got that. Well, that one's brand new, but I don't even really understand the science or whatever they were telling. I, I don't get it, you know, and I and, and unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, because of our attention spans have shrunk. And because we're inundated with what I call stories or information all day long through social, through ads, through emails, through friends, through family, we choose the ones that are simplest and easiest for us to understand and latch on that actually will compel us to, to think, to take action, to tell others. Uh, I used to, uh, you know, you're making me think about when I was, when I was uh, a bit younger and I would always try to listen to sports talk radio on the way into work. And the reason why I did it was because I wanted to capture as much knowledge and information I could about it, knowing a client or a coworker was going to bring something up. And then I would have the story to tell, Hey, did you hear that? So-and-so scored this many goals last night. Hey, did you hear so-and-so ran for this many yards? Hey, did you hear so-and-so broke this record? You know? And I think about it and I'm like, you know what? I probably only captured the stories that were simplest for me to recommunicate and tell later, knowing that I was effectively doing it. I didn't capture the stories of maybe sports I didn't understand, people I didn't know, athletes that I didn't think anyone would care about. And um, my wonder is, through all of this, is when a CEO is struggling to have their organization – have a through line uh, narrative, what would, what would be like a suggestion for you for that CEO to be communicating to the leadership team? Hey, this is what we need to, to manufacture. Can they use the, we, you know, at X company, we love bikes. Can they adopt and adapt that pitch from the CEO? Or is there something different where my pitch has to become my people's pitch? What's kind of the transition there? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, we sort of uh, presentations and pitching. In a blink of an eye, you are in strategy, uh, culture, um, vision, mission, origin. Uh, you know, and 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 we've just we've just described like five subgenres of storytelling, right? And. And these things are all sort of intertwined in this um, ability to to say something. I mean, I found myself uh, like stopping TV shows and writing what people say. And I was watching Andor last night, the Star Wars, you know, yeah. the new Star yeah. Disney Plus one. And there was some quote and it was like um, two characters are talking and it's like, Something like the the axe forgets the tree remembers. Hmm. And I was like, oh, pause, wrote that into my Evernote. And then I was like, okay, this has to be something, right? So I copy, paste it, drop it into Google. And it's like Google Google tells us it's a sort of African uh, proverb. Hmm. And the, you know, the axe forgets the tree remembers. And this is like some, you know, uh, Confucius Chinese proverbs, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, and it, and it's that beautiful, like 
as soon as you say the axe forgets, you see an axe and it must have chopped a hundred trees down. Mm-hmm. And then the tree remembers, well, the tree's only got a few branches. Once they're gone, they're gone. And then you can just like hang all this emotion onto that proverb. And again, that's why it's a proverb. A proverb is a pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, in the year 3022, just do it will be a proverb. Mm-hmm. And in the year 5022, just do it will be like legend. People live their lives, millions, palaces, thrones, products, you know. And so they're all pitches. Whatever what, whatever communication has transcended through time from word of mouth, from idea to heart to head to nation to culture across borders, that's a pitch. And that they will never stop. And so to bring it back to the CEO, like let go grab a pen and go to a whiteboard and just let your ideas become visible and don't try to make it too complicated, make it human and people buy from people. It's a proverb, it's a pitch, it's a saying, whatever it is, right? But it's true because if you're into LinkedIn or whatever your platform you're on and someone comes and pitch slaps you, the first thing you're going to do is like, you're out, zero more attention, you're done. You, 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 You used your credit and you burnt it. Someone reaches out and says, hey, I like what you're saying. How we got in contact? Through through Ravi. Mm-hmm. You, you swung it in and said, this guy reckons you're good. Let's have a chat. Boom. We shared. You asked questions. We followed up. We commented. We DM'd. And now we're, you know, on a podcast together. It's amazing. It's like people, you know, if you just said, hey, Martin, come on my pitch, you know, you, you, you tried to sell me something, I would have been like, Chris, no thanks, I'm out. And I would have disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and so back to the CEO, just like... You know, I'm sure Elon Musk, I, I, I don't follow Elon Musk that heavily, but he is a very personable CEO. For someone who's trying to get onto another planet and has billions and billions and billions, he's very approachable. Mm-hmm. And he lets himself make faux pas. He lets himself make mistakes. He does it on purpose. He winds people up. He 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 swears. He smokes weed with Joe Rogan. He, you know, he, he, cause he's a person. He gets divorced. He has hundreds of kids, whatever it is. And so he's making himself very accessible, even though you could never ever get any of his minutes of time, unless you're a rocket scientist or an AI expert, mm-hmm. but he makes us feel that we can get to him. And so, you know, for other CEOs, it's like get all of your corporate manifestos and vision and all that stuff figured out but that is the cake tin it isn't the cake mm-hmm. the cake is you and how you connect with people and and so any sort of structure or anything that's being kind of created by a team in my mind with my my experiences recently is like you need that because that's your scaffolding that's your structure that supports whatever you're creating but you what you're creating is inside that and people don't want the structure. They want the substance. I love it. Absolutely love it. Incredible stuff. Um, well, we hope that uh, someday, well, no, we know, someday in 5022, there'll be the legend of the crocodile wrestler. So <laughs> tell people how they can connect with you. They, they listen to this and say, I need help. So tell people the best place to uh, to really connect with you, not pitch slap you, but connect with you in a way that's meaningful. 
the best place, the only place I really have any social media time is LinkedIn. And I and I do try and post on TikTok and Instagram, but really I'm just automating posts onto them. So LinkedIn is where I, uh, I try to engage with people, talk in the DMs, answer questions, leave comments. So come and find me. I believe I'm the only crocodile wrestler on LinkedIn. There might be some others, but you'll find me pretty quick. Um, and then if people want to... My focus, and, and having talked to loads of other people in, in sort of presentation world, my focus is for the people on the edge of the spotlight. The people who are nervous, overthinking it, self-conscious, full of, um, you know, self-defeating thoughts. And the spotlight, a high-value spotlight moment. I'm in one right now. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to your audience. And so this is an incredibly valuable moment. The, you know, the minutes we're spending together are very expensive uh, because we don't get them back. And a high value spotlight moment is when you are engaging your audience. And if you're on the edge of that spotlight going, oh, oh, oh tomorrow, mm, oh, I can't, I'm not good enough. Oh, my voice. Oh, I don't like the way I, you know, my hair. Oh, if you're that person, I want you to reach out because I run a, a bi-weekly community called Pitch Club. We're meeting tonight. We met yesterday. We meet twice a week, every single week. And anybody can come and give a three-minute pitch. We are a ground-level, doors-wide-open pitching event. And if you're getting ready for a demo day, if you're getting ready to go and start talking to investors, getting ready for a TEDx talk, a podcast, you're launching a book, anywhere where you need to be in the spotlight and share, and you want to come and meet some fellow, let's say, joggers in the park and do a 5K, that's Pitch Club. And anybody can come, and they just uh, we promote it only on LinkedIn. First come, first, whoever signs up first gets this pitching spot. We have people from all over the world, and the, and it's free, completely free. This is the place to come and pitch, and then you'll get four rounds of feedback, and it's done in an hour, and it's full of amazing people. So come and find me on LinkedIn. Come and join Pitch Club. And then from Pitch Club, I have from DIY services, to do it for you services. And I had tried to have lots of little steps where you can buy a book for $10. You can do an online course for $80. You can then do a one hour consulting or I can write your pitch for you. And obviously that is a Lamborghini compared to a bicycle. So I'm going to give you the last word. I'm going to ask this question for the last word. What do you think is the number one thing holding people back that have an incredible story, an incredible pitch, but the story they're telling themselves uh, might be debilitating. So tell me, what's the number one thing that's truly holding them back? The number one thing that was holding me back and still has some claws on me is overthinking it and perfectionism. And I, I started seriously on LinkedIn in January 1st, 2020, as I'm sure a lot of people did. And if I was to go back to my first video, I look like a plank of wood. Oh, it is. I, I keep meaning to spend time scrolling back to find it to say before, after. And it took me a long time to get out of my own head, get out of my own way and let go. Like I was talking about the CEOs need to let go and just be yourself because people buy from people. And if you have this uh, 
false, crazy, unrealistic expectation of where you should be, you're never going to get started. And it's called moving out of a comfort zone for a reason because it's comfortable there and it's not comfortable there, but there is much better. And so just start. TikTok is the best place to start pitching because the TikTok app is designed to make your output look super, super amazing really quickly. And if it's rubbish, no one's going to see it. They bury it. But I spent months making 15 second TikTok videos. And now I know what it's like to pitch something in 15 seconds. It's like going to the gym and just hitting the punch ball. Sometimes it hits you back, but like TikTok, because you can get your ideas out there. You stop overthinking it and there's zero risk. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the best story wins with Chris Watson and that you have learned from the art and science of storytelling and story crafting to be able to go tell stories that win.